Welcome to We're Still Here, a podcast by theater people for theater people. We're your hosts, Kate and Cade. Join us as we explore being a theater artist in and out of a pandemic. Let's talk about where we're at and where we're going, because after all, we're still here. Hey, 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 Good. I am just so busy, but I'm so happy to be busy. How are you? Good. Busy and fully vaccinated. Oh, we're both fully vaccinated. I know. Raise your hand out there if you're fully vaxxed or if you're half vaxxed or if you have an appointment to get vaxxed. Doesn't it feel so good? It does feel good. It feels weird. I went to hot yoga last night for the first time and it was a little trippy. I was like, whoa, look at all these people. But this is the world we live in now. And so you got to go, I guess we got to get going back out to do the things. You got it. It's very strange though. I, yeah, I like, I feel like I've lost a lot of social abilities. So (laughs) just being around a few people again, now that I'm fully vaccinated, I'm like, I definitely need to figure out how to navigate this, but Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. We're chilling. We're chilling. We're like halfway through the year. Can you believe that? That's insane. I have no concept of time. That doesn't make any sort of sense. I still feel very much like I'm in 2020. Yes. Yeah. The fact that it's, yeah, it's literally May. That's wild. It is wild. And we've got, we have some cool stuff coming up. We're going to kind of pivot the pod because there's a lot going on in the world of Broadway at this moment, like we sort of touched on in our mini-sode. So going forward, we're going to sort of tackle some of those issues and talk about what is changing um, in our in our current landscape because it's a lot. Um, a lot. But until then, we have an amazing guest today who I still can't believe we interviewed him. I know. And yeah, it's been, it's been a little while since this interview. So I'm thinking back of. <laughs> yeah. Trying to think back on it. Yeah. It's been a second since we yeah. talked to him. He, I sang one of his compositions for my audition into college. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. This is someone who, I mean, it's, it's like every theater kid discovers him on YouTube when you're like 15 and you're just like, Oh my God, what is this, this little combination of pop and musical theater and all the things that I love. So the fact that we got to talk to him for so long and just, it, it was incredible. I know. So- and you probably already know who we're talking about because it's in the title. But Drew Gasparini is our guest today and we are so honored. He also has a podcast. He does. Yes, too. He talks about this in the interview, but he interviewed Lizzie McAlpine. Do you love, mm-hmm. do you love her? Do you listen to her? Yes. Vic- oh, are you kidding yep. me? Yes. big up and comer big cool indie gal it's called now we're talking with drew gasparini and you'll hear in the interview he talks about how he wanted it to be like he wanted to interview people and talk about stuff you couldn't google yeah yeah yes collaborated with before and now it's like let's just chat in a non-professional setting which i love amazing he's amazing um if you don't know drew i would um head on over to google type in his name and check out all of the incredible things that he's done that he's doing um and yeah this was a delight to interview him i still am fangirling over it i listened to it the other day and i was like So I hope you guys enjoy it too. You'll have to let us know what you think. If you guys already know about Drew, let us know on the Instagram. We would love to know like... Yeah, what are your favorite songs by him? When did you first discover him? Wait, do you have a favorite Drew Gasparini song? I love... Okay, he just released an album in 2020 um, with like Bonnie Milligan and Colton Ryan and just like all of my favorite people. There's this song that Bonnie Milligan sings called... um, What is it? On the Edge. (gasps) And it is just so good. And it's... I, I always obsess over female sung songs that I would probably never sing. And this is definitely one of them. It is so good. And Buddy Milligan just has the best belt on Broadway. On the like, planet Earth. Yeah. There's, no I, like- there's like so many that I love. Two Little mm-hmm. Lines is probably my favorite. Uh, circus is so good too. Circus is so good. And that's the thing. You listen to these songs and you're like, this is the same guy who wrote Circus as well as, you know, whatever else. He has such a diverse sound really he does cool. and you guys will hear in the interview he is uh currently working on a project that will blow your mind um it's- i know very excited for that so without further ado we hope you enjoy this interview with the incredible drew gasparini Ooh. 
Hello! Hi, Dwayne! Oh my god. Are you a couple of actors or what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Honey, what did you think you were getting yourself into? <laughs> oh yeah, now I'm terrified. Good, wow. as you should be. That's the tone, the tone we like to set before the interview. Yeah. Right? Frighten the guest. Yes. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> we could not be more excited. I don't know if we greet everybody like that. And also, you're one to talk. Look at all those posters. Yeah, behold. Yeah, the behold. Grave, the graveyard of uh, community theater past. That's oh, what that. oh we love it. Yeah, we my living room is dedicated. That's what it is. Yeah, I've been out here in... Uh, I'm in the Bay Area right now. I'm at my parents' house. What? 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 Uh, well, I, well, I grew up in Southern California, so I, I mean, I visited the Bay Area, but... Oh, well, okay. That's, I, that calls for the excitement you just yeah, displayed. I love something. that. That's a connection. Yes. It's very... Well, I love, I love the Bay Area. It was just always really bougie when I was a kid. My mom would be like, we're going to go up to the Bay Area to see your grandparents. Like, it was I like, mean, there are some bougie elements to it. I mean, no more so than Southern California. Orange yeah. County and Beverly Hills. Oh. There's so much more bougie, yeah. I feel like like in, in Southern California, yes. but uh, it's, it's kind of a gift to be here now because the pandemic's mm. going on. Uh, my lease ended in October and I was like, am I going to sign up for another lease while my industry is shut down? Oh, and, and it just happened to work out timing wise because my co-writer for Karate Kid lives in Sonoma. So he's like 20 minutes away. Oh, and yes. We love that. So I just was like, I'm just going to camp out in my parents' house for a few months. Yes. And I, I set up a little office and like in-home gym in my parents' garage, which is just, it just happens to be cluttered with uh, all the musical theater I did as a child. Oh my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> no better place to be when you're reflecting no on your life. Yeah, and your choices, <laughs> yes. Right. That's right. You're going to get choices. visited by all the ghosts of community theater past. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Kate, tell us, cool. tell us what's so great about Drew. <laughs> okay, let's go. Our guest this week is a renowned composer, lyricist, singer-songwriter, and performer based in New York City. His shows include Crazy Just Like Me, Make Me Bad, Skittles Commercial, the Broadway musical, my personal favorite, yeah. Night Shift, We Aren't Kids Anymore, and the Broadway-bound musical adaptation of The Karate Kid. He is a New York Musical Theater Festival winner, and his songs have also been heard on television, such as on NBC's Smash. But wait, there's more. Along with his many original cast albums, he has released five solo albums, including Overboard, Drew Gasparini Band, I Could Use a Drink, St. Adele EP, and most recently, we Aren't Kids Anymore, released in 2020 oh, during the pandemic. Broadway stars can be heard on his works, including Lindsay Mendez, Jeremy Jordan, Michael Kilgore, and Alex Brightman, just to name a few. Welcome to the pod, Drew Gasparini. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was the longest intro we've ever had because you've done the most things of any human being on the planet. Oh, is that true? Wow. Maybe, no, she, I think maybe, am I the oldest one so far? I'm 78 years old. So. You, oh, no, no. We had 82 last week. Yeah. yeah oh, our, our general, our average age, I think, is like a, a low 70. So you're just, mm -hmm. just above the average uh, age. Oh, so, also Nathan Lane. He's 127, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't let him hear that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Maybe I'll cut that out. Drew, honey, how are you? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. I'm sipping my coffee. I just had a like a marvelous little walk with my puppy. Gordon. And, uh, I, yes, Gordon. Yeah, very good. Gordon, my dog. Gordon, yeah, well, is he's he a quarantine puppy. Is he a quarantine puppy or did you have him pre-pandemic? I did not have him pre-pandemic. He's uh yes, I, I guess he's a quarantine puppy, but I was planning on getting a, a puppy before the pandemic struck. So uh he's he's by by accident to quarantine puppy, but he's the best. I love him so much. He's so handsome. He is handsome. He's a sexy little dog. Yes, he is. I know. I saw your Valentine's post and I was like, okay, I have similar feelings man. about my handsome dog. I know. It's just, there. it's really during this time that I have just solidified my love for animals over human beings. I mean, humans are great, um, but my dog you just gets me. First, folks. She's yep. been with her dog. Yes. <laughs> I, how did you know? He's so soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, not I knew you were the type. I love it. <laughs> not clickbait. No, not clickbait. You, yeah, right? You heard it. I know. You know what? That's so funny. I, I would like to personally thank you for um, coming out with a podcast same time as us. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, um, yeah. Your, <laughs> your podcast you, you on the charts. Thank yes. you very much. Oh, it's not like the podcast world wasn't already so wildly oversaturated and competitive. Me? And Why uh, did you I start honestly, that? Why did you do that? I, I was kind of encouraged to by a few hundred people. Yeah. Um, I, you know, at the top of this uh, pandemic, we released We Aren't Kids Anymore, and there was a lot of promo publicity that we had to do for the album and for the show. We were licensing the show. And right. It, it was all, you know, who knew that it was going to continue to be this bad? But uh, to promote, we were doing a lot of virtual things on Playbill and Broadway.com and all the staples. Right. And uh, I'd never considered doing a podcast because I don't listen to enough podcasts and I didn't think I had interest in it. But a lot of people were like, you're so good at talking to people. You should just do a podcast. I was like, is that what, is that all it takes? You have it like, is that what it is? <laughs> so I listened to a few and I listened to a few Broadway podcasts and I kind of wanted to do one that was let's talk less about your resume and more about like, you know, like who did you have sex dreams about when you were in middle school? Yes. <laughs> like like yes. we ask really okay, random Mark questions. Summers. Yes. Yeah. I, we just had Rachel Zegler on and we played <gasps> MASH and it was so fun. It was like, <sighs> and we, and I had Antonio Cipriano on, we played uh, fuck, Mary kill Broadway edition. And like, it's oh just, my God, it's just that's silly. amazing. It's just a lot of fun. And so it was like, it was around like, the early spring people are like you should do this and yeah. then i did some research on like what podcasts existed and i figured out what i wanted to do and it's been going great numbers are good subscribers are good yes. the rest of the season is basically recorded we got 25 episodes in season one Ooh. and then i'm going to start recording season two at the end of may i'm really really excited about it it's really it's, it's awesome you started it as like these are people I've collaborated with. Let's talk about things that aren't work, right? Because your first yeah. episodes are like Colton Ryan, Alex Brightman. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, Catherine Gallagher, Colton, all, 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 everybody who's a guest is someone who I am friends with because I've, like I said, I'm 78 years old. So I've been right. in the industry for a little bit, but I've gotten to work with a lot of people. But a lot, some of the guests, like Joe Iconis, I've never worked with yeah. Joe, yeah. but he's a contemporary of mine and we're both. Uh, composers in the Broadway world and we'd never really had a, a you know it'd be the same kind of conversation if he and I went to Glass House and had a martini you know right. what I mean like that's yes. I just like that casual vibe of it all so I, I didn't realize how much I'm sure you guys are loving it too it's a lot of fun yeah um, and it really scratches the itch of social norm yeah quotes there yeah uh, but it it, it uh, it's a lot of fun I'm enjoying it it's it's a cool way to see kind of uh, I'm a little bit older. I just turned 30. And when I was in high school, musical theater was not as top of the mind as it is now, right? I think we've seen like with Glee and Hamilton, it's like come a lot more into, I, like everybody I know knows musicals suddenly. Yeah. And so it's cool yeah. to see performers in this kind of very casual light because we're, we, I'm so used to seeing like, you know, Kelly O'Hara at the, you know, it's doing a, a mix, right. you Mormon know, like tabernacle. Yes, the right, Mormon right. tabernacle. Yes. Yeah. So it's totally cool. I know I loved you were like asking Mark Summers if being president of the Magic Club got him laid. And I was like, ah, oh, that's what we all want to know. That I made my boyfriend listen to that episode because we love Mark Summers. Um Yeah, dude. Mark Summers is the goat. He was on a, he was a judge on some show we watched recently. And I was like, is that Mark Summers? Was it Guy's Grocery Games? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's like always, a, he's always a judge on that show. And I was like, wait a minute. Like that's the Mark Summers. My boyfriend was like, yeah, he's like, Mark he does Summers. a lot of stuff. So that's, I, I love that. He that's does. incredible. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly right. You know, I think what you just said is really interesting. I've noticed it too. When you're in high school, at least like I'm, I'm 34. So we're like roughly in the Similar. same like, uh, you know, generation. Yes. And uh, in high school, if you were into theater, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, you're a, well, it kind of was, you're a nerd, but uh, you were just different and you were doing something that didn't seem realistic and like yes. it really was like this fantasy playland. I always refer to it as the land of misfit toys when I talk about yes. 
theater people because we're all like, we're all so proud of our weirdness and the more of our weirdness that we just let out and our truest self that we let out, the better the product is in terms of the collaboration. And then you get things like Hamilton where it really is bridging that gap. I mean, you get Usher and Kelly Clarkson and people like that on the Hamilton mixtape. We're bridging that gap big time. And now you got Sarah Bareilles writing musicals, Ingrid Michaelson writing musicals, and it's going to keep, expanding, bridging that gap, which was always my goal as a, as a writer, is to write in a, uh, an ear-friendly manner that wasn't like, this is my theater stuff. I would yes. want my theater stuff to live on the radio just as I would the radio yes. stuff to live yes. on stage. It should be accessible in both arenas. And you've done that. I sang, I, I'm <laughs> freaking out a little bit because I sang two little lines for my audition to get into undergrad. Oh, righteous. Awesome. <laughs> Where'd, you go? Where'd you go to school? Arizona State University. Cool. Party. Yeah. Party. Yeah. Yeah, party. Forks up. Masks up. Yeah. Masks um, up. up, you kids. Listen yes. up now. Yes. For real. But I mean, that's why it, it is so <laughs> exciting talking to you because yeah, like Kate said, I mean, I feel like I kind of grew up watching your discography and and body of work grow. I mean, like I found out about you in high school when my favorite singer was, you know, Gavin DeGraw and people like that. And I was like, okay, now there's these musical theater songs that sound like that, but it's the other thing I love, musical theater. So, and I mean, now you have Karate Kid on the horizon, which just in, I mean, was it the Playbill article in early 2020 that was talking about how this is coming soon, we're coming soon, so. Yeah, we, we right be, like, literally minutes before the pandemic took over everything, the Karate Kid news came out. I'd had the job for, for a couple years before that, but, like, the official news came out that we were allowed to talk about it, you know. Right. Um, and uh, the very end of February, we did our first industry reading. It was such a huge success. We got a lot of excitement and we had next steps in place, like a theater out of town. And then we were going to go to Broadway shortly after that. Uh, And nothing has stopped us. Mm-hmm. So that's the good part, but uh, it's just pushed back our trajectory and our timeline a couple years. How the so, hell did you yeah. get involved with such an iconic, uh, the Karate <laughs> Kid? Like that, I yeah. mean, come on, if somebody wants to write that musical, like how did that happen? <laughs> it was, well, you know, like honestly, the, I got a call, this was like 2018, and I got a call in July from my agent at the time uh, who was like, hey, this, this producer wants to talk to you about Karate Kid, the musical. And in my mind, I heard that is, okay, someone wants to like spoof it because I don't think, like Rocky was not a big success and like musicals like that don't always translate to a Broadway stage. And I hadn't seen the movie in a fucking long time. Like I hadn't seen it since I was like eight. So I didn't remember all of the heart. I just remembered like wax on, wax off and the credit and all that. Mr. Miyagi, right. Mr. Miyagi, all the iconic stuff. Uh, So I said, no, no thanks. I have no interest in talking to them. So this was July. And then October, uh, I just get a call from Michael, Michael Wolf, one of the producers of uh, Gorgeous Entertainment who is producing this project. And uh, he said, look, we're listening to a lot of composers. We haven't necessarily found what we're looking for, but we keep listening to your album, I Could Use a Drink. And I don't know why that album seems to do, <laughs> I don't know why it works so well for people, but I'm, I'm really grateful that it, it does in the way that it does, because yeah. it leads to little opportunities like this. So he called me and he goes, what can we do to convince you just to spec? It doesn't mean we're going to hire you. We just want you to write a couple songs and see if this is a good match and et cetera. Sure. So uh, I said, okay, let me go rewatch the movie again. I watched the movie. I cried a lot. And I, I'm not even kidding at all. I think I went right to the piano. And in 20 minutes, I had written three songs. Like, boom, 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 boom. I just had Ooh, I just all of the words. I had all the music. I was ready to go. I just wrote them down. Boom, 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 Then it, it, it turned into, you know, and I've gone in for jobs before. I'm working for Warner Brothers and Universal. And that's always like, a, present something and it's a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. And this, this particular job with Karate Kid, it was present something. Great. We like it. Now we're going to fly our director out from Japan to meet you. He wants to meet you. He really liked your song. Oh, that's so cool. So I go meet him. Okay. And they said, we really want you to go also after this meeting. We want you to go meet Robert Kamen, who wrote the movies. Uh, and he lives in the Bay Area. So uh, we're going to 
we're going to fly you out to California and we want you to meet him. And if he gives you a thumbs up, it's looking good. So I got thumbs up from the director because we had a good simpatico talk about the yeah. piece. Talk to Robert Kamen. I'm starting to see now this is not just, we're not just putting the movie on stage. We are really like giving this whole story new life. It's going to be amazing. Uh, But the coolest part about getting the job, my favorite little part of the story about getting the job was I got an email that's from the producers and it was basically the email that said whether or not you have the job or don't. And I knew it was up to me and like four other really big name composers. I'm not going to say who they are on this podcast, but. Yikes. Off record, I'll, I'll tell you who they are off record. Okay. Uh, so we, we go sit down at the Palm. So I knew I was getting the job kind of because they said, we want to meet you at the Palm in New York yeah. uh, to talk about it. Casual. So like, they, they wouldn't take me out to dinner. If, no. Like, like, oh, <laughs> at the Palm, okay, yeah. Okay, me okay, there. But I was having beers with my buddy Alex Brightman and F. Michael Haney right before this. And I said, oh, shit, I got <laughs> I to go to this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, we'll come with. So they came and they sat at the bar, Stop. kind of uh, adjacent to where the producers were sitting at this table. <laughs> the and, yeah, basically. And we and I, they finally got to the point of the meeting where they were like, we love you. We want to give you this job. We think you're the right match here. And your life's about to change. And right as they were saying all that, like a tear was falling down my eye or down my face here. And I looked over and I just kind of give a small one of these to F and Alex. And they were just like, you know, they were like silently cheering for me. It was really cool that they were there. Uh, And then afterwards I called my mom and my dad and my dad was like, wow, everybody in the world knows this movie. And I was like, yeah. Oh God. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) The pressure of that really sat on my shoulders because it is a wildly famous movie. Oh Yeah. Especially, yeah. oh, I mean, it's it's coming back now for the uh, younger generation because of Cobra Kai. On Cobra Netflix. Kai, yeah, I love it all over again. I've been tagged in things from some of the cast members of Cobra Kai. I've oh met my god, a bunch. And here's the coolest part: you mentioned Skittles earlier. Sorry for like go bouncing. Oh, honey, you do whatever you want. Mm-mm. But you mentioned Skittles before, and I got this. I booked the Skittles musical. Um, the, the week after I booked Karate Kid. So I found oh. out that I'm, I'm going to be writing the Super Bowl ad too. So I'm like, oh my God. So Skittles and the Karate Kid, two big fat You're things. You're Beyonce now. I, my cup runneth over. I yes. can't believe, you know, the, the shoe's <laughs> about to drop. This is all too good. But the cool little part about doing the Skittles thing was on the cast list, I wasn't involved in casting the show at all. Like that was all a very corporate TV advertisement kind of thing. Um, But one of the cast members in the Skittles musical is a girl named Julia Macchio, who is Ralph Macchio's daughter. Ralph Macchio played Daniel LaRusso in Cobra Kai, and he was the original Daniel LaRusso in the movie. So I went up to her, I was like, is your dad Ralph Macchio? And she's like, yeah. I go, I just like last week got hired to write the Karate Kid, the musical. And she's like, that's you. I've been hearing about this for like a year. They've been talking about this. It's so wild. So it was a really funny coincidence to get the job and then meet the Machios. That's so yeah. synchronistic. The universe was like, Drew, we would like to congratulate you. Here you, here I, you go. I still don't know what I did to deserve the patience. Like they, they were asking me to submit. They were asking yeah. me to try out for this. And I can't believe I had the gall initially to be like, nah, no thanks. That doesn't sound like a good idea. And now it is like, now that I'm, we're starting to see set designs come together. We're starting to see bits of the choreography. Our choreographers are Keone and Mari Madrid, who oh, are huge yes. deals. In, they were oh. the directors and choreographers for the Once Upon a One More Time Britney musical. They did the deal. Love Yourself music video for Justin Bieber. They're insane. And they just sent in, um, they told us they were going to do four songs. They were just going to choreograph some ideas for four songs. And they sent us 11 <gasps> songs done. Like, here's <gasps> what I think this should look like. And it is starting to feel so crazy real. Fired. So at the end of this, you know, the light's at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So hopefully by the fall, we're going to be announcing our out of towns and our, you know, we're going to, we're going to be back on track. It's really, so, really exciting. So this is full speed ahead. I mean, COVID seems like it's just a time for you to really devote all your time to this. Like, this sounds like it's really... Sort of. I mean, like we, the, uh, weirdly enough, like there was like six months of complete bleakness and darkness and 
do I have to find a new career path? And, you know, all the things that I feel like every artist went through, I certainly went through. I got sick with the virus. It was very hopeless uh, initially when this all began. Uh, But our producers for Karate Kid have been very good at saying, we're not, you know, like this is slowing us down, but like there's work to get done. So let's just make sure our show is as ready as possible for the end of all of this. Yes. And, um, and weirdly enough, I've been asked to write a couple other things. I started the podcast. So by like August of this year, upswing. Yeah, yeah, definitely an upswing in terms of the creating work. So yes. hopefully we're going to have like a pile of things to say, actors, performers, dancers, here, let's go. Let's yes. get back to it. Yes. You know, and, 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 and it's yeah. encouraging to hear that because I think we've talked to a couple other, uh, like the cast members from the 1776 revival. We've talked to a couple of those, um, the, the all female identifying cast. Uh, and it's encouraging too, because their producers are sort of saying the same thing. Like yeah. this, is, this is not a death now. Like, this is just a, a postponing yes. um, and and we're having to kind of adapt to that. I, I think that's wonderful. And I, I want to know, because we don't get to talk to a lot of composers, right? Yeah. And um, you are so outgoing and friendly. And I feel like that is sort of the antithesis of the composer lyricist stereotype. It um, can be. And I, I have seen that myself. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, God, it, you're an actor also and you do this. So I want to know, this is kind of a niche question, but when you're working on something like the Karate Kid and you are writing new stuff and you're bringing it in and you're working with a singer for the first time, what gets you off about that? Like what, what did, what part of collaborating with a singer? Or is there something that like singers do and you're like, oh yeah, that's good. Like what part of that zhuzhes you up? Yeah. I mean, I am not, I wouldn't qualify my, I could be, here, here, let me, let me just like tell you where I started from. Like mm-hmm. I really come from as a songwriter, the mentality of a singer songwriter. Yes. And to me, that means every night the song kind of gets new life. Every time I bring a song on stage, I'm not going to sing it exactly how it was recorded or exact, you know, there's going to be some new breath to it. Right. Um, having, uh, I, like Sondheim really writes these notes on purpose, yes. right? I'm a little more conversational with my melodies and with my lyrics. So if someone like does a little flip de do or a, a thing vocally, as yeah. long as it doesn't take away from listening to what the song is about or the importance of the song, I'm okay with interpretation by a lot. And I think a lot of composers get high and mighty about the work that they've created because there's so much work that goes into it. Yeah. Yes. And they want it to be this thing they made. Now now do the thing I made. And I right. and I really do respect that and understand that. But personally, I am horny for collaboration. Yes. I really. I, yeah. I really I love being collaborative. I come from a big loud family and we're all artists and we're all musicians and uh, especially with my work with Alex Brightman. Mm-hmm. When you're working with a friend, you know, the fear is two egos getting in each other's way. And Alex and I have been able to maintain a really strong friendship and a really strong collaborative process because we're not delicate with our babies. You know what I mean? We don't mind killing our babies, in other words, when it comes to an idea. If his idea is better than mine, we're doing his idea. And if my idea is better than his, we're doing his idea. And the same goes for any singer. If a singer brings something in, and we did this in the Karate Kid reading, Alan H. Green, who's a magnificent Broadway actor, uh, he was playing Sensei Kreese, the evil the yes. evil guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a, there's a really fun, like, militant, almost kind of heavy metal song Ooh. that he sings. And he goes, this song, it's missing this. Can I try this? And I was like, Fuck yeah, try that. That yeah. that's it. That was so cool. And it's gonna be like permanently in the show now because yes. of that. I love so, that. So yeah, we all have our jobs as actor director. We all know our roles. Sure. But the end goal is the same for each role, which is let's make the best show possible. Yes. So I can sniff out if an idea is coming from ego. I can Ooh. sniff out when it's when it's coming from a trick. Like if a singer is like, can I riff it here can i do something here i go no because that doesn't add anything right to the song if you do something and it doesn't seem too acrobatic and too masturbatory and it really does add a little juice to what's already juicy let's pile in the juice but the more 
showy offy you get, that's not for the show. That's for your table of loud gay friends at 54 Below going, yes, when the riff happens. <laughs> yes, you know yes, I mean? yes. Exactly. I, don't, I don't care how high you can take a note. I don't right. care about your belt. I don't care about how impressive your riffs are. It's got to be appropriate. You know what I mean? Yes. Anyway, Hell yes to that table of friendly gay people who love to scream at all yes. those notes. I do those 54 Below shows because I love that environment. Yeah. But if we're, looking, if we're looking at freezing a show eight days a week or eight shows a week on Broadway, we have to be a little more... Um, Efficient. Cheesy. Cheesy, Cheesy. yeah. Yeah, with discerning. What, with what it is we're, we're deciding to put into this collaborative process. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That yeah. makes sense. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. It's cool to hear that from you because, like you said, where your, your music is more kind of the radio-friendly pop realm of musical theater, which is my absolute favorite style of-, of Conversational, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> here, like- that there is that line of like, okay, yeah, you like add your own little flair to it, but don't make it too, you're not, you're not Whitney, just still, still do the music, but don't add all this, sure. all this extra nonsense that you don't need. Yeah. And like in the same way that like, I would give an actor like a little idea note on how to perform something. I expect the same from them. Like, can I, you know, have you tried thinking that the melody might go up here instead of mm -hmm. down, you know, like there yeah. are things, we should all be listening to each other in that collaborative process. Now, again, for the 54 Below show, if I have like two little lines, for instance, if that song, because that song's been performed a trillion times on that stage and every other stage around the country, yes. do whatever you want to that. Get that table to explode. Get the whole room to explode for that one note you want to hit that night. Right. I don't care. Live your life. That's what this is. Really, it's, it's right. a lot of fun. Theater's yes. fun, but... Leave the work for the room and leave the fun for the for the goofy nights in 54 Below. I love yeah. that. I want to ask, who do you listen to? Who are your musical influences, whether it be musical theater or just the pop stuff that inspires you? What's your favorite stuff? Uh, okay, so I have a lot to say about this because I think one of my biggest pet peeves about the theater community maybe that's not the word i'm looking for but like people who are like fresh out of college who come to new york and they're really proud of their theater prowess mm -hmm. and they're really proud of their their knowledge of soundtracks and composers and stuff like that i i say i dread the day that the only thing i'm listening to is uh, an original cast album preach to gasparini like here, yeah we yeah. we need to be listening to everything and don't get me wrong I, I absolutely listen to the original broadway cast of this and that and the sure. other sure. um but i really like writers like tom kitt and i really like writers like david <sighs> yazbek right. because yeah. oh you can listen to one that's of that's a good name drop David well, Yazbek. David Yazbek, he's yeah, the I best. Love him. Yeah. And every, everyone's unaware of his like huge, big, fat, crazy song that I love, which is Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. No one yes! knows who wrote that song. He wrote yeah. that? He wrote that song, yes. So, see, and he does a great job of kind of keeping the balance, too, of pop versus theater. Yes, yes. Um, so, anyway, some of the people that I love. You mentioned Gavin DeGraw. I've always loved Gavin DeGraw. I think he's tremendous. Uh, when I was in high school, I'm not even kidding. People think I'm joking when I say this because there's, like, a weird stigma attached to this artist. But, like, Dave Matthews was the reason I wrote songs. <laughs> he was, like, the reason I picked up an instrument. Yeah. Uh, and played guitar and piano. But that's and very that our time, Drew. Like, the 90s. Like, Dave Matthews was having a moment. He, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's still, but he's still like before all this happened. He was still like the biggest touring act ever. Yeah. I mean, like, they still do that summer tour every year, and it's oh, gigantic. Yeah. Yes, they do. I'm a big Beatles fan. I'm a yeah. big fan. I'm a big Sondheim fan for sure. Yeah. Um, but right now, there's a girl, and she was just on my podcast, and I think she's so tremendous, and I think she's starting to get aware of just how giant she's about to be. Her name's Lizzie McAlpine. I don't know if you guys know Lizzie McAlpine. Why did they know you were going to say that? Yes, she's becoming so huge. And her huge. Music, oh, it's so like, huge. I hate to use the word quirky because that's not what it is, but her perspective and point of view in her music is just so charming. And well, uh, I think cool. In, in a lot of ways, uh, yes, definitely. I like her perspective and she's charming as hell, but there's... Um, I think music is always kind of cyclical in terms of like what genres seem to have a resurgence. And we are leaving this 
dance moment and we are leaving this electronic moment and we're going back to like the early 2000s when it was Regina Spector and yes. Sarah Bareilles and Ingrid Michaelson just starting out. <laughs> Yael Naim, a lot of these mm-hmm. female singer-songwriters were like coming out of the woodwork and they're all tremendous. I think Lizzie McAlpine and Dodie and a lot of these yes. girls that are coming out right now are this, this generation of who those artists were for us. Yes. And I am so... Um, I'm just like wowed by it. My sister Chloe, by the way, my whole family is really dumb, talented, and we're yeah, all they like, are. we'll all have different various levels of success within the industry. And I'm, I'm just like endlessly proud of everybody here. But uh, in my family, Chloe, my sister Chloe is a songwriter for Prescription Publishing, and she writes with like the Miley Cyruses of the world. She has a writing session with Gwen Stefani. She's like, she writes for these artists. Oh my and, God. And then she goes and works on her own thing. And she's pulling back from like the Miley's and the Gwen's. And she's mm. uh, sitting down to curate something honest and pure like these Lizzie McAlpines. It's not manufactured. It's really, really deep cutting. Drew, that's, I've been saying this. Okay, so uh, after the plague came the Renaissance. No, oh, yeah, sure. Is that like not where we're headed? I, I, you know, people are wanting that, I think. I, I don't, well, I think yes and no. I think that I, be, because technology is what technology is. So yeah. like there was never going to be a time where content wasn't being created. And like, look how TikTok and musical theater have totally congealed oh, with Ratatouille God. and yes. Bridgerton. And oh man, did I get in trouble on Twitter? <laughs> wait, what you did? T- wait, pause. Uh, <laughs> Screw, fuck everything else and tell us about how you got in trouble on Twitter. <laughs> well, I don't mind talking about it uh, because I think I need to make the, the statement more clear because I, I, I voiced something, which there's a big element missing. You're right. This is maybe the renaissance is when theaters can open back up. Maybe that's sure. when a real renaissance is going to happen. But right. in terms of like what, what genres we're hearing, music, again, is cyclical. We're going to yes. keep hearing reiterated uh, versions of things that have come in a different way, in a new way, in an exciting way. And that's really, really great. The TikTok thing got me in trouble on Twitter because okay. I, I tweeted something as innocent as, I really look forward to the day we can see musicals in a theater, not on TikTok. Oh, no. I pissed off the whole TikTok community by saying that because there is a lot of pride, and rightfully so, by the way. There is a lot of pride in the work that went into, talk about a collaborative effort, Ratatouille. Yeah. There's right. a bunch of writers, sure. right? And it was a bunch of directors and a bunch of ideas getting hodgepodge and put into a piece. Yes. And then the Bridgerton thing. Abigail and Emily are yeah. so crazy talented. They're insane. And someone kind of asked the question, well, what about the, you know, I agree with you, Drew. I can't wait for theaters to open back up. But what about all the great things happening on TikTok? And I said, it is a great thing. But what a slippery slope for this business. And I don't know how it's all working. But as a writer who's been doing it for a minute, I say, okay, they went ahead and wrote Ratatouille without Disney's permission. Disney said, huh, we can get people to write shit for us for free without paying them? That's interesting. Same with Bridgerton. And I'm sure it's opening up opportunities for them because of the attention that's getting them, right? Interesting. Yes. So what happened was my responses to this one tweet got so removed from context completely. Oh, no. Oh, no. And Abigail, who I actually know and have met several times, uh, retweeted my tweet saying, well, despite the fact that you probably think we're taking jobs away from other writers, I look at it as I'm creating jobs for myself. And it was like, we're two fierce women in this industry kind of thing. And I don't, they made it sound like I, I don't support that. <laughs> or, <laughs> is an anti-feminist. No, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. But because there Fuck. is so much, there's a lot of fans for this Bridgerton music. Yes. I, and again, this is, I don't want to shit on anybody's effort to create or be collaborative or anything. I think it's amazing what's happening. I think it's even more amazing that it's getting the attention that it's getting. Yes. Uh, that being said, I still would prefer seeing a live theater event yes. in a yeah. live theater. Well, I don't think um, you're the only one that feels that way because TikTok is full of, all of a sudden I'm seeing these TikToks that are like real theater kids versus TikTok theater kids. And I'm like, wait, what is this? There's a whole niche of like arguing about 
the difference. I, yeah. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but it's apparently it's a thing on this app. Is uh, is that like, are you a real musical theater artist or are you a TikTok? They're different. Apparently. I mean, the only difference is one's in a theater. I mean, yeah. really, you know, I mean, a song's a song, a story's a story, and, right. and performance is performance. But when she retweeted it, the Bridgerton oh, fans. God. Uh, I lost 400 followers <gasps> in the blink of an eye. I got messages on Twitter that said, I guess I have to take your sheet music out of my book. Stop. I am dead. So there's one, this one girl who I don't know uh, oh re- retweeted me and was like, I can't believe this white straight male gatekeeper of the industry. Like I was like, what the fuck? I'm in my parents' garage. What do you mean gatekeeper of the industry? What are we talking about right now? It was insane. So I actually had to call. (laughs) They came for you. I had to to, very much. So I had to call Abigail's sister, Anna Grace, who I'm very close with and say, listen, I'm sorry if I pissed your sister off. I didn't mean that. Oh my God. Holy crap. This got way taken out of hand. And the minute she retweeted that, I think I just got canceled. I think that's what just happened. <laughs> you but, but you would have thought I said like the N word yeah. or yeah. something. It right. was crazy how fast people came for me. And then I talked to my sister who's 10 years younger than me, Chloe. She's 10 years right. younger than me. So she has got a better thumb on the pulse she of got this, a good, this yeah. social media thing. Um, and she said, well, think of it this way, Drew. A lot of these people, especially that age, they're young 20s. They were born with this in hand. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, if you insult their thing that they were born with, it's it's like a personal attack on them. Okay. And I think a lot of people perceived it that way. So it gave me a better understanding as to how I should voice that mm. opinion but the mission statement i guess that you know if this is another platform i can say this it is i am so pro collaboration i am pro content creating and i yes. am pro social media when it comes to the healthy version where we're sharing and yes. we're supporting and all that kind of stuff there was never a moment in all of this and i went back and reread some of my things like okay they could have flipped that around they could have read that differently in this episode sure. But I, I had to go delete all those tweets. I was like, oh my God. I, I, like people are saying I'm taking your songs out of my book. What? Oh my word. And <laughs> that I think- is- That's insane. It was crazy. Well, first of all, I love that you're famous enough or that you're like, I don't know if famous is the right word, that people are like, I have your music in my book and now it's not there anymore. <laughs> and, yeah, well, you you're don't feel- enough to be canceled now, so congrats. Yeah. I, I guess that's a good thing. I don't know if that's the kind of famous I want to be. I just, you know, I don't even know. I, I don't need people to know what I look like or anything. Poor thing. I just want people to sing my songs and, and sing other people. Like, I just like, like I said, I'm horny for collaboration. I know, I love that. I just like the world of theater because it is a collaborative thing. And my original comment was, I just can't wait. Like, no matter how good a piece is on yes. TikTok, it's not different every night because it's there cemented no, in a recording. It's and there's not, not an theater. audience. There's not an audience shoulder to shoulder, elbow yes. to elbow, sharing the laughs, sharing the differences between performances, seeing an understudy that night. We are missing a gigantic, yes. there's a chasm in yes. the audience. And it is live theater. That yes. is right now. Yes. And I think, I think there's something so territorial about TikTok and yes. musical theater stuff that yes. is coming from TikTok because for a lot of these people, this, I mean, even pre-COVID, it might have been the only thing they had to really express themselves in yes. this way. So a lot of the people coming for you are probably 17-year-olds who TikTok is all they have when it comes to musical theater and didn't have much of an experience beforehand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. And I've like, I have gone and like assessed this and assessed this and assessed this. And I've never really thought of myself as a guy who needs everybody to like him. Yeah. But boy, when you start feeling like everybody is just hating you, that is a terrifying thing. And cancel culture, though, of course, like Bill Cosby and there are definitely people who should absolutely be canceled. Next. Thank you. But the same people who are like, we're going to take your music out of our book because you said this one thing that got interpreted this way. I go, I bet they still watch Disney movies and he was a very loud racist. Are we going like when, where does cancel culture make sense and where does it stop? I wonder, it makes me think that people are just trying to control what they can right now. It makes me wonder if we weren't in a pandemic, if people would have even noticed that tweet. Not to mention, (laughs) I a hundred percent, but I I mean, not to mention, I think that it's like people have a lot of pent up sadness and anger with zero other 
direction to throw it. And yes. that's what social media has become. Yeah. Twitter is disgusting. TikTok's yes. disgusting. Yes. You know what I mean? It really, it's getting to a place where it's like, there's so much, like for the one cute puppy photo, there's 1,000 fuck the world photos. Like yes. it, 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 everything is so negative on social media. Yes. It's a completely unhealthy thing to do it, that it's having a been said jerk of follow me on instagram if you can <laughs> at drew gasparini and if you want to duet with me you can find me on tiktok at the drew gasparini <laughs> also listen to my podcast uh no but it really is kind of a weird wacky world we're living in right now big time it is it is and uh but i mean we've got good things coming and i tell you what if if all i have to look forward to is the karate kid musical honey i'm here for that i'm okay well, with it yeah. i appreciate you saying that i think there's going to be a lot more to look forward to and well, I, and yeah. what I'd like to what I'd like to see more of, especially after a year like this, mm -hmm. like I have this job. I understand I'm lucky to have this job and it's going to be a really, really fun piece of theater. But I really do want to see Broadway in particular start taking those steps that we're trying to be very loud about right now, which yes. is more equity, more diversity, yes. more all those things amidst the creatives amidst yes. the actors on stage, right? Yes. Yes. I, I do want to see Broadway come back different and Well, better. we've talked about, uh, I think it's like, oh, I can't remember the statistic, but like 30, is 70 some odd percent of Broadway patrons are tourists, right? And then mm -hmm. there's a very small percentage that is like us, right? New Yorkers and, and creatives. That's who they're going to have to cater to <laughs> moving yeah. forward, right? So I'm hoping that that shift is organic, that it is, we lend ourselves to that kind of curvature because I think you're right. I think that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, I think we need to see more stuff like we're seeing come up. Um, people are calling it taking risks, but I don't know if it's taking risks or if it's just like- Everything, everything <laughs> is taking risks. Everything right, is. Like, like it's, it's kind of insane to be scared of risk-taking when yes. you're like, I'm going to be in theater. Like right. if you're a producer exactly. or an artist or a director or whatever it is. Yes. You're taking a risk by doing it. It is not stable. It is complete. It's, it's, it's a lot more misery than it is excitement because yes. of how many no's you get a day. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's about the pursuit of the end product. And if that yes. end product becomes making it more accessible for people who might not typically go see a uh, Broadway show, I think all that risk is doing is creating more reward, higher risk, higher reward. And I think that's a gamble everybody in theater should be willing to take. Yes. Yeah. And I think, if, I think it, it, like you said, everybody has to listen. Everybody has to collaborate. And I think if we're all doing that at all different levels, we'll get somewhere a lot faster. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked to Karen Olivo a little bit about, um, I asked her, you know, we have, we have kids in coming into the industry. How can they stand up for what they believe in and also be hireable? Like, yeah. right. And um, she spoke to that really eloquently and just said, like, there are people out there doing good work. Find it and do it. Yeah, Find it and no, do it. that's that's very very true. Find it and do it. But like, if you beyond find it and do it stay true to what it is you're you're asking for and fighting for and find ways to be a part of the change and the movement and mm -hmm. you know like there's there's a lot of efforts we can all be taking that we all talk about taking but hardly yeah. anybody actually like sits in it and tries to contribute in the way that we all should yes um we're all guilty of that yes so i just want to make sure that theater stops being this competitive fine work where you can get it kind of thing yeah. and more of this like awesome little jacuzzi that we should all be chilling in together and yes. making, making room for everybody to fit into the jacuzzi and for everyone know, to know. thrive right yeah. yeah absolutely god the idea that and there's a bit of this that you see especially i think with actors there is that like we're listening to their audition and we're judging them right now but like mm -hmm. It's not up to you who's good. That's a subjective thing, right? Like, right. It's, so let's just root each other on. Whoever right. gets it, gets it. It's not your job to lose. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's nobody's job to lose. It is one person's job to get. So right. whoever gets it, their success is your success. If yes. you show support, they'll show support back. It yes. should be a scratch your back, scratch my back mentality. And, and as a composer, I have always... Always. I had Ryan Scott Oliver on my podcast. We talked a little bit about this okay. because he was, a lot of people were like brought into the business thinking you had to be competitive that way. Right. If you really look at it, an artist in itself is a human being. A yes. human being in itself is a very unique snowflake individual. That's mm -hmm. what it is. I might write musical theater. Sure. 
but I don't sound like Ryan Scott Oliver. No, I'm not at all. I never feel like I'm competing with any of these other composers out there because I do what Drew does. And if that's what people want to hire for that project, that's their prerogative. That's their subjective input. And no one else should say anything about it. Just like yes. if Ryan got a job or if Joe Iconis got a job or Zoe Sarnak or Shannon Tab or any of these people got those jobs, those were the right people for the jobs. Yes. And Hell yes. They got the job. It's not. Oh, up to I love that. Louder oh. for the people in the back. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> we want to. Uh, we want to move to our Patreon soon. But I just want to say, as we clue up this segment, thank you for being. I mean, listen to what you're saying. I mean, that is exactly the perspective and the morals that we want to hear from a composer that's about to write probably the biggest musical of next year. So thank you for having that point of view and for just being- Yeah, they, they scared yeah. the shit out of, uh, out of us at uh, undergrad. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you know, when I go and teach these master classes at schools all over the country, I basically start each section with- Everything they're teaching you does not translate to New I York. I know, Drew. It fuck. does not. Can That's somebody not fucking do something about works. that? Can somebody I, I, fucking do something about that? We just got to get like-minded people to keep Ugh. fighting that good fight. But anyway, mm. uh, Kate, thank you very much for saying that. It was a pleasure to do this with you guys. And, and you know, anytime I get to talk with other artists is a thrill to me. So mm. I really do thank appreciate you. it. Oh my gosh. And we love you, Drew Gasparini. <laughs> Thanks for being on our show. <laughs> Um, just it, that was just as amazing as I remember it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Now what you need gem. to head over to Patreon because he tells us so much tea about just the Broadway and composer world that you need to know. It's just, yeah, he he just gave us the real download. Yes, lots of fun and more on the Karate Kid for sure. Um, we definitely talk about that a little bit in the Patreon. Wild. That is going to be the thing. I hope so, dude. I'm like encouraged because so many shows like that get done and you're like, oh, that was a flop. But I feel like with Drew behind it, it is not going to be that at all. Yeah. <laughs> like just hearing him talk about his ideas for it and kind of like as much as he can reveal at this point, it uh -huh. is, I think, going to hopefully be change it, change it. Hopefully it changes the landscape, sort of like I Hamilton hope. did. You know what I mean? I hope so. Ugh. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, yeah this is so cool talked to him earlier then all of this is going to be released because he gave us so much tea and so much inside scoop he did and unfortunately for everybody listening he gave us some off the air tea that will sit in my brain forever and my heart yeah. forever <laughs> so thank you to drew for being our uh most um tea spilling guest this season yet because um, really really we enjoyed and that's saying a lot because some of our other guests spilled some pretty hot piping hot tea so that's just what we've got for you here on We're Still Here. So that concludes our 11th episode. Stay tuned. Oh. We have some more stuff coming up, some fun things. We're going to talk about what's going on on Broadway right now, what's not going on on Broadway, um, where the hell the Broadway League is, and what our future looks like uh, coming out of this pandemic. Get your vaccinations, wash your hands, wear your masks, and we'll see Bad you beautiful bitches next time. Yes, see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to We're Still Here, a podcast by theater people for theater people. If you liked what you heard today, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. Your five-star rating helps encourage the growth and promotion of our podcast, allowing others like yourself to join us on this journey. And if you'd like to support the continuation of this podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash we're still here podcast. When you pledge a monthly payment of your choosing, you gain access to behind the scenes footage, podcast tea, and exclusive bonus interviews with our guests. Your financial contribution allows us to continue creating content that unites and inspires and validates the theater community. We thank you for your incredible support. 